podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura. and we're live welcome to another week another episode of touchline hotspur with your all-star studied cast uh we've got owen with us today how are you doing owen yeah very well very well um just squeezed in a nice episode in the Mandalorian before the pod to try and gas me up a bit. A little bit of baby odor. A little bit. A whole <laughs> lot of baby odor in that one. But good, 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 good. I've never seen it myself, I'll be honest. Um, how how are you doing, Simon? Sire, sorry. I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Not bad, man. Tired, long week, but awesome. we move. And tops, how are you feeling, man? Yeah, good, bro. I'm happy to be back after missing the last couple of weeks. But yeah, everything's, everything's good on my end. Um, busy week, but happy to get into it with the boys tonight. So, Good, 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 good. I think this week is a tale of two one-nils. Um, <laughs> two, two definitely opposing one-nils, um, two completely different stories. But I mean, let's start with uh, Owen. Let's start with the Burnley result. <coughs> um, can you take us through your thoughts on the game? Yeah, the first half, um, that one was quite a fast-paced one. It, it felt very end-to-end. Like, mm-hmm. we were both just trying to play long ball. It, it surprised me that we we kind of took that approach as to try and be, as opposed to just kind of being a little bit more controlled and measured. But it felt like we were just going tit-for-tat, 50-50, long ball to long ball. But I was pleasantly surprised at how we dealt with it, even early doors. Mm-hmm. And... Then as as the half went on, it's like 
we did start to exert more control, but didn't create anything, which um, that kind of felt like the story of the game. I can't really remember uh, a clear cut chance. I saw we see we rocked up with Hoybier and Sissoko back in yeah. holding midfield again. Um, Sissoko's kind of crept back into the lineup as well, hasn't he? Like so many fans, um, he, he does divide opinion, and even amongst us, he divides opinion, and he's kind of crept in ahead of the kind of likes of um, Winks or Lacelso maybe playing that pivot role. Um, he he did okay, but it kind of limits how much we can create, and we saw it was just going to be a defensive approach or just kind of a more careful approach from Mourinho from the get-go, mm-hmm. obviously while trying to be as proactive as we can. And, um, man, like, as the second half went on, I was expecting either Carlos or Bale, Regulon, uh, I feel like there was someone else, Lacelso to come off the bench and he brought on Lamella. Yeah. And uh, uh, it shocked me to my very being at first, but... Again, like I've got to say, we probably wouldn't have got the results against Chelsea or maybe not even Man United if he wasn't playing on shit house. And so, hold on, was that the Miller praise there? A little bit, a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit. I have to acknowledge his uh, you can't really ignore his presence, can you? Really, because <laughs> the ball rolls and he kind of because he just does he, he he epitomizes what Mourinho wants from us just to be shit houses but be intense with it and straight away he's closing down spaces and pressing and stealing water and whatnot yeah I'm all for it I've never seen someone steal opposition water before just so casually <laughs> after such a shit tackle as well <laughs> he, poured, he poured half of it on his face as well he didn't pretty even much yeah one thing I feel like he needs to get into after his career ends is defensive coaching because he needs to teach that tackling style to people because he's actually very good at it. I don't mm. know how, but he kind of half lunges brainlessly at times, <laughs> but he always gets the ball, even yeah. if it looks a bit dangerous at times, he always gets the ball. And like the, the opposite side that you're supposed to go on is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's insane. Proper weirdo. I don't know if it's um, because it kind of comes onto his left foot or whatever. Sorry, Ira. I was just going to say, like, he always seems to block the path of the runner somehow as well. If you get on, mm. rather than get the legs, it's almost like he's going for a professional foul, but somehow he just pulls it off. I don't know how. Yeah, he could but be I... a dark arts teacher at Hogwarts as well, maybe. <laughs> like, I love him, man. UFC, he's like the UFC champion of the world, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he just likes to smash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My my goat likes to smash. Um, yeah, and of course he he took the corner, which led to the goal, and I was just proud of the team how we kind of resolutely defended everything else that they threw at us, especially in the last kind of five ten minutes where they brought on um, Jerry Rodriguez and they just really started to pile the pressure on. Of course, um, if we're going to focus on the negatives of it, Ben Davis had one of those weird games where. I feel like if they went over on, if we attacked on Doherty's side, he may have looked just as bad. But I felt like after kind of digesting the game a bit, I don't know if you remember, um, there was an episode of Friends where they're playing American football and they just let Rachel have the ball because they know she's, or they leave her open in space because they know she's not going to do anything with it. And I felt like that's kind of what they did with Ben Davis. And it was a shame because... (laughs) 
he never really had any passes on to the really one twos off. He was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a strange game from him. But what I will say, he managed to kind of he he angled a cutback, which led to our only touching the opposition box after an hour. So it was one of those games. It was a cutback <laughs> yeah. to Sun. It's a cutback to Sun, and Sun miscontrolled it, and it went down as our only touch in the opposition <laughs> box for an hour. But other than that, yeah, it was unfortunately quite poor. But I'd say the same. Um, Davis and Doherty were both off it, to be honest. I think yeah, um, that for me yeah. has to be uh, Doherty's worst worst game so far in terms of just not really not really being effective. Um, I don't want to be too harsh. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good to see two two guys that look like the generic characters on football games. They look like pro Evo regen type guys, just basically not really doing much on either flank. I was just like, oh man, this is a really <laughs> shit game. <laughs> it was the game was it was devoid of quality, man. Devoid mm. of quality. But I mean, I feel like those were the games maybe last season or the season before that we started to come undone. So it was interesting to see like that we met them in terms of not so much intensity, but it was quite a physical game. Like um, you, you well, you know what you get when you play Burnley. It was quite a physical game. I felt like the guys gave it as much as they could. They gave it back. Um, Hoiberg, very solid. Sissoko, solid as well. Somebody mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up. Obviously, I'm sure it was it was it's bound to come up. But Ndombele, compared to um, last season's match at um, Burnley so he had a massive point to prove man and I think I think he got his point across like he looked sharp he looked um, it looked like night and day if you compare it to <laughs> to the last performance so I mean what, what do you guys think of um, Ndombele's growth in the team like how he, and, and his consistency is he should he be the first name on the team sheet in that midfield this was the um, the game that I saw kept an eye on when the fixture list came out was it deep enough in the season for him to have built up a little bit of rhythm and all of that stuff? And the amount of times I heard, oh, Burnley, no sprints, all of that bullshit, mm-hmm. just had me geared up to see a, a standout performance. And I've got to say, it's his redemption game. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's not a person out there who is of sound mind and doesn't have a an ulterior motive uh, who can deny this guy's class anymore like the work ethic was there the strength was there the activity the intensity the skill pretty much everything you want in a center midfielder of that ilk mm-hmm. it was on show um so yeah man I'm, I'm a happy man when it comes to Tongi mm. Tongi is doing well it's definitely uh redemption season and like when um you asked just then, like, if he is he one of the first names on the team sheet in terms of midfield. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love Tangi and Dombele nearly as much as my own son. But I mean, if anything, um, <laughs> with the with the Burnley game and obviously the Antwerp game, which we'll get to, I feel like the the first name on the team sheet in terms of midfield. If we're going in order, it's going to be Kane's son, then Laurie's his first names on the team sheet. It's going to end up being now Pierre Hoybier. Mm. Um, purely because as like strong as our squad is, especially how deep it is as well, we haven't got a midfielder who's um, just like as much of a ball-winning midfielder as Hoybier is and how 
like just how combative he is. And as I say, like I'd say he's probably now first name on the team sheet in terms of midfield and then Tangi on Dombele just behind, only in the sense that we'd have Lacelso who can come in and do a similar job. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely definitely second that as well. Um you know, as we've always like kind of said, um Hoiberg coming in was never really that stellar signing that we all wanted. But the one thing I always thought in my mind was that we needed someone who was happy to do the dirty work, happy to, to try and win the ball and let the more creative players do it. But also someone who's a bit of a technician. Like I think I saw the other day that currently up to this point in the league, he's had like the most passes um, of, of any player in the Premier League. Um, and definitely in terms of ball recoveries and tackles, he's definitely one of our top sort of players in that department. Um, so we are actually kind of very lucky to be able to have him playing as well as he has been, considering it was a bit of a shaky start from him. But yeah, I, I think definitely he's so important. And actually, when he doesn't play, you can kind of see it in that midfield, which we'll talk about in the on the uh, on the Antwerp game. But like one of the things I actually really like as well about having in the, having him in the team is that he's like the perfect kind of spoil, along with people like Sissoko or Lachelso, to allow someone like Tongi to be able to do what he does. Because obviously Tongi's getting back to full fitness and, you know, he's trying to like sort of revive his like creative juices and getting on the ball. And actually it's positive to see Ndombele doing all the defensive work, but actually where he is most effective is when he's receiving the ball and trying to affect the play, which someone like um, Hoiberg basically allows him to do. So I think that's going to go understated. I think, I think people, I think Tottenham fans are starting to realise actually of his importance in, in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like, you know, Tongi's getting better and better. Like, uh, he seems to be so much more confident. Um, not that he wasn't confident, but in terms of being in the team, how happy he is. Mourinho speaking about him positively in media. Um, so I'm kind of just happy that this is where he's kind of at now. Like, and rightly, as, as I said, it really was redemption because the performance last season, even though I didn't want to didn't want to talk too much on that. <laughs> uh, it was it was miles miles better uh, this game, yeah. um, and I'm just happy, man, because this is a player who's got an unbelievable amount of potential, you know. And the fact that even he's saying that we've not even seen the best is is scary to me. So <laughs> as, long, as long as we keep him happy, then I liked. Um, I was reading something about Ndombele saying that. Um, he he didn't even feel like Mourinho's comments sort of phased him as much as everybody else said, and I think he agreed with with some of them, if that makes sense. Um, to an extent, anyway, I don't think he would have agreed with everything he said, but I feel like he, from his perspective, he feels like a lot of that not necessarily helped, but he felt like it was honest, and I think he respected it from Mourinho, if that makes sense. Like he, I'm, I'm sure he could see that that is not the kind of performance that he's capable of when he was at Barnsley last year like it was a, it would have been ridiculous by his own standard but um I wanted to kind of use that to segue ever so slightly to talking about the so-so so this is I guess with one eye on the next game um but what did you think of the so-so's cameo do you think or even just in general I guess what what do you think of the so-so's role so if, if Ndombele is the second name on the team sheet in that midfield how does the so-so fit into this is he literally Ndombele's backup at this point or does he need to show a bit more 
consistency with his ability. Um, Sai, you got you got something for me? Yeah, it's a. I think it's a. It's a bit of a strange one. I think a lot of us were clamouring for a sort of uh, single pivot with Endombele and the Celso flanking whoever that was. Um, but we've not really seen that at all mm-hmm. in, in a season and a bit. So it is an interesting one. I do think currently, given given all, all of the factors, uh, fitness, injuries, form, and the confidence of the rest of the team, I do feel like the Celso is firmly a second choice at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that that is sort of... It's also a, a sort of offshoot of the fact that some of the other guys who are in the um, in the squad aren't really fit. They're not in uh, any sort of form either. So Lacelso would be a sort of trusty backup in that situation. So shoehorning Sizoko into some of these team sheets and making his role basically to disrupt and just give the ball to somebody else. I think sort of aids us going forward. It, it enables us to be a bit smarter in, in the way that we rotate. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, as we'll get on to, I think we made a hash of it against Antwerp. But, but yeah, I think currently he's definitely second choice. Okay, anyone disagree? No, no, definitely. I, th- I can definitely agree with uh, what Sai's saying. Like, <clears throat> I feel like there is potentially a place for him because... Like, it's funny for me personally. I think Soko is better in the bigger games because in the bigger games, there's like, I find the games are often really won really in midfield. And someone like him, he is very good at disrupting and make it very difficult for opposition players, whatever the kind of quality, you know. And, and that's not talking about his ability on the ball, more so off it. So my preference would always to have would be to have like technically better players, um, technically players who are a bit more proficient at using the ball and trying to unlock defences and probably in games against weak opposition, potentially you could, you could call Burnley a weak opposition. I suppose I would prefer to have someone like Lichelso, but then also it kind of makes sense because Burnley are a very physical, strong, sort of hardworking team. So it probably made sense to have him in there. Um, I think this is a question that like, I think the media probably needs to put to Mourinho because I'm not even sure if he believes that the three of them could maybe play together. Mm-hmm. When I look at Chelsea, I think like he kind of reminds me sometimes of Ericsson in the sense that he's very combative. He's got a massive engine, always running. But then also in the final third, you can clearly see that he's very good technically and he clearly wants to try and make things happen. Um, but I also feel like it's been very difficult for him. I mean, it's been weird this season as well. Like the injuries have kind of crept and they've not really left him. And there's not... And while someone like Ndombele has been able to build fitness and play regularly, he actually hasn't been able to play at all, if if anything. And he's probably trying to play himself back into form as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think, yeah, like moving forward, he probably is the best sort of replacement for Ndombele. But I would like to see them play together in the future. I mean, that would be quite nice. Mm-hmm. I think Mourinho is looking to do that as well. It's, I think low-key... Or not even low key. I think he he quite enjoys playing Tangi and Lacelso off each other, yeah, a bit just for the motivational purposes. And then once Lacelso has gotten over these little 
these injuries, these niggles, like obviously not forgetting he played through all of these injuries last season in the post-lockdown games and he was arguably our best player. I mean, Barcane maybe, but um, yeah, I think maybe in the future as we get to some some of the more latter stage of this season, he'll definitely experiment with it. But for now, I, I can firmly tell that Mourinho is enjoying just playing them off each other for motivational purposes and obviously rotation as well with the amount of games we've had. Um, I think we should quickly touch on um, Kane and Son before we move on. I mean, it, it's more of the same, more of exactly what you expect. One assisting the other. Um, I think Carragher commented on Kane. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was essentially saying he's the best passer in the Premier League after Kevin De Bruyne in terms of direct passes, assists, key key passes. Um, it's good to see him finally start to get some recognition. To be honest, like I don't feel like this is something new in his game. I don't think it's it's a new element. Maybe it's something that wasn't making highlight rules before because some of his um, teammates were not finishing their dinner. Uh, but it's it's definitely good to see him getting attention for this. Is it are we seeing the future of Harry Kane here? Like once his legs leave him, or is or is this just literally the media just starting to pay attention to something that we all know already? I think it's definitely the media. <laughs> I think if anything, obviously with the talk of him being in decline stuff, I think if anything, he's doing more running now than he's yeah. doing before because he's running back you see him at times he's tracked back on the edge of our own box as well and then burst forward to score <laughs> it's been ridiculous I think um he's kind of exploits for this this kind of long-range part like dropping deep and long-range passing has been there ever since that goal he he set up for Eric Dier Pochettino's <laughs> first game away at West Ham oh, 90th yeah. minute he just yeah, came off the bench yeah, and yeah. just that's the body, and then we saw so much of it with Kane in Delhi, and it, it's it's mind-boggling how it's only just been picked up by Monday Night Football analysis now. But <laughs> I mean, it's good to see. Like I'll accept he's dropping deeper than he was before. Like he's not just dropping into ten positions; he's dropping into like the eights and the six kind of positions, kind of like Firmino does for Liverpool, but just with nowhere near as much output <laughs> as Kane. <laughs> That's it's just facts now. So uh, that's why they have to pick up on it, especially Carragher. Well, it's, it's true though. I think you're right, man. Like, like sorry to interrupt you, but like, it's true in the sense that, like, if you think about what Liverpool asked Firmino to do and what Tottenham expect Kane to do, Kane completely trounces him, and it's not as and it's not as if like Firmino is scoring regularly as well. Like Kane has been scoring goals as well, so. Like, the fact that this has only been highlighted is definitely a media thing, man. If you think about it, like, people have always given... Again, Kane slander, just, it irks me, man, because they've always given him this title of tapping merchant, penalty merchant, um, shit golden boot, all this stuff. But this is someone... (laughs) This is is someone... This is someone... This is crazy. It's it's, it's crazy (laughs) to me. This is someone who's got two golden boots. He's got two Premier League golden boots. This is someone who knows where... What what he needs to do and different types of goals he can score, but not only does not only does he do that, he's also always been able to provide amazing and very intricate types of assists for different players. I can think of like three one three that always like stick to me. Mm-hmm. The one that Deli Ali does away at Arsenal, 
in the cup. That's unbelievable because you take away even the fact that the pass is unreal. He takes it in one touch, controls it in another, and then his third touch is a pass oh. over the top to Ali. <laughs> All right. The second one that you see him do was away at Swansea. Takes it on the left wing, basically dribbles and finds somehow over the top into Ali. Ali then strikes it, gets a goalkeeper, and then on the rebound, hits it in to the goal. And then the third one, which I which I still think was was an unreal assist, was uh, the I think the third goal for Son. It's from Southampton, where he's basically from from deep on that right hand side, and he, that was his second touch because the first touch Lachelso fired it into him, and he's taken one touch to basically take it out. And on the second touch, with just one look, he finds Son. So like these are these are different cases where. He's not just doing this like because he has to do it. Like this is some stuff that clearly he's able to do consciously, but for some reason the media have never ever recognized that this is a part of his game, which he has. Like he's such a quality technical footballer as well. And like people also don't give enough credit to like his footballing IQ. Like he's a very, very smart footballer. It's mm-hmm. just the fact that he's been the number one guy for scoring goals for Tottenham. And now people are starting to realize actually there's an all-round game to him, which is crazy because it's always been there. Like, we we know. We're Tottenham fans. Like, we know. That's yeah. the problem, man. Yeah. It's, it's when, when, when you're so great at one thing, like, his striking ability for me is unworldly. Um, when, you're, when you're so good in front of in front of goal, people just overlook other aspects of your game, um, especially if they're not translating into assists. I think one, one, one of the weird things for me is Obviously, we went through a stage where we did see Kane basically playing between the posts. Um, Poch, for some reason, stopped making him run around and he became quite like static. His movement wasn't the same. And literally all of his goals were pretty much coming in in the penalty area. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm just thinking, that's not Harry Kane's game. Like one of the, one of the things that you always notice, especially during the, um, the season where we played the three at the back with... Delhi and Ericsson flanking Kane, they would all just interchange positions over the course of a game. They'd all pull guys out. You have space run for Ali to run in behind and Kane was just picking the ball up and doing whatever he wanted with it. Either drop a shoulder and smash it in the back of the net or assist somebody. So it's one of those things, man. Like it's, It is strange to me that people only choose now to highlight it, but I'm I'm glad that they are picking up because it makes Seve's take of him being washed. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody tag him in this so he can hear it. That shit was fucking ridiculous. (laughs) What was his take again? Just that he was in decline. His legs were gone. and Yeah. A bunch of shit, basically. People uh, always used to say Kane needs rest, man. That was the, the uh, massive one. Like, he needs rest. He can't run no more. And like you said, though, he's running a lot more now. But um, speaking of smashing narratives, I mean, we've seen this stat sort of being thrown around a lot over the past two or so weeks about the all-time Premier League top partnerships. Um, so I think Kane and Son are on 29 now. They might have got 30. I'm not sure. But... um. One thing I did notice about that list is, I mean, you've got two Spurs partnerships in the top five, considering that people say we're not, or some people say we're not a competitive team like that. And then another thing is, Didier Jogba and Lampard are the are number one, the number one partnership, and then Harry Kane and Son are number two, 
Both have been mar- managed by Mourinho. And you get this narrative that Mourinho is a really defensive manager, which obviously there is truth to it. But do you think his offensive style is underplayed? I've been cooking that one still. I've been cooking that one, man. This is this is your best Lamella, your Lamella impression, man. I've been cooking up. I've been in the kitchen on this one. I can't lie, bro. About to restart the the mood coat. Let's see what's going on. No, but seriously, what what do you think of that though? Without going in depth into it, because um, I need some more time to digest that question. <laughs> just the way it's been in the, been in the kitchen. Um, we only have to look at how many goals we've we've scored this season. Yeah. Um, so I, I still think we're the highest scoring team in the Premier League. That might be wrong, but if not, like at least like top two, three. And he's always said it. Like my teams have still been able to score goals. He's always said it when he's prompted with these with these kind of questions in the media. So he might obviously not be attack first, but he's always got like that in mind that we need to know how to score goals. Um, I think a lot of it though, I would put down to player initiative this season, rather like more, more, more player initiative than Jose, maybe like on a 60, 40 ratio, because mm-hmm. we kind of saw a swing in our attack in the, in the Southampton game where like, and Dombele and Kane both just started drifting deeper and deeper, which didn't really seem to be from Mourinho's instruction. And it just kind of came off and he was just like, do you know what, boys? You you keep doing that. We're going to score goals doing that. You keep doing that and I'll take the credit. And, but yeah, like, um, yeah, I still think it has been quite downplayed, but... Um, I'm happy for them to do that because if we can creep up and still be title challenges kind of under the radar, then yeah, I'm happy for them to downplay it. See, I thought I thought I'd start with a little bit of Mourinho love because I mean we're about to go into Royal Antwerp review and I don't think there's gonna be much more. So, <laughs> so I thought I'd give him a little chance, man. I thought I'd give him a little chance anyway. But um Saj, you wanna take us away with, with Royal Antwerp? But your thoughts on the game? Yeah, man. Oh, what a shitty grab performance. <laughs> that was like a sleeping pill. Like <sighs> I woke up going into the second half with my son asleep on top of me. That's that's literally like how boring it was. We sat there. I'm like, yeah, let me watch football with my two-year-old. And it put me to sleep. Uh, funnily enough, I only missed like two minutes of the whole game because that's how it ends up working. But... Yeah, we lined up. We lined up with a heavily, heavily rotated side. Um, pretty much the biggest additions were Delhi finally got a start. Uh, Bale played. Uh, we had Bergwijn, Bergwijn uh, Vinicius, um, Le Celso came back into the team. Harry Winks. Pretty much a totally different side from uh, what finished at Burnley. Um, and yeah, we played a 4-2-3-1, which we haven't seen as much recently. So for me, I was a little bit concerned because obviously there's a big there's a big uh, microscope and a spotlight on the likes of Burwine and Delhi and realistically throwing these guys into such a heavily rotated side is a recipe for disaster. We've seen it over the years from when 
Pochettino decided to put Fazio in in a North London Derby Cup game. Mm-hmm. A player that hadn't been playing any football, who didn't have any chemistry with anybody else, and we got smashed to pieces pretty much. Like we looked terrible in that game, and we looked terrible yesterday against Antwerp. Um, and yeah, to be perfectly honest, I think that's Mourinho deliberately sabotaging in certain instances because he's right on Instagram with all the funny memes and all of that shit. That to me doesn't seem like a manager who took the took the match particularly seriously. Um, by 45 minutes, he made four changes. So either, either we were bad and it surprised him, which I don't think was the case, or it was premeditated, which the cynic in me says it was. I felt I felt like some it was harsh on some of the guys that were taken off, um, especially um, Vin- Vinicius. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I probably had the worst link to the first half of all time, but I had absolutely no motivation to fix it because the game just looked terrible. Like in the little bits and bobs I was getting, but I mean, for me, I thought L- Winks was very lucky to finish the game. Um, in, in terms of his performance. But I mean, yeah, you could have probably taken off anybody on the pitch and been justified. Like, there, there wasn't really a standout performer. Maybe I would say Aurier is probably one of the only ones who could have left the pitch with his head held high, based on what I saw, um, which wasn't much, I'll be honest. <clears throat> Do I mean, you even, think... Even, even, even with that, like, as bad as we were, their goal came from a mistake which is just... Yeah, something crazy, that you crazy. shouldn't see. You really shouldn't <laughs> see that type of thing at the highest level of football. Like mm-hmm. we gotta be, we gotta be honest here. Like some of the decision making for some of these mistakes are, are just getting ridiculous. Like I, I tend to be quite pragmatic with my criticism, but fuck me, man. I was, <laughs> I was sitting there and I'm like, you know, you're left footed, so everybody on this pitch knows you're left footed. So why are you turning to your left? Like it's predictable it's slow it's redundant it's like just fucking clear the ball man like you're not going to dribble out of this situation just kick it long the scariest thing is he had options as well see i didn't watch the first half but obviously seeing the highlights and seeing that just that segment when he made that mistake he had break elon he had wings available i think delhi might have been available a bit higher up the pitch as well he had at least two three options and he chose not to clear it he chose not to pass it and he just kind of got himself in a bit of a mess yeah I I don't know what to make of that but I mean I kind of have a bit of sympathy for Ben just being played in that position in the first place because we should have been registering Joe Rodon a bit sooner Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe just playing someone else centre-back like we can spare centre-back fitness because they don't tend to run around as much Maybe Eric Diaz nursing an injury. I don't know, but I only have a bit of sympathy for Ben Davis in, in that sense, just being played in a position which he's not familiar with. Because even with Sanchez being a centre-back, him playing on the left side as opposed to the right kind of made him a bit more kind of disjointed. And he obviously made that mistake against West Ham where he scored the own goal mm-hmm. because his body position is just completely different. So, yeah, I mean... It was all round a bit poor. I felt sorry for Carlos as well. Like um, 
you said they were again I like, only caught the highlights of the first half, but he looked like the only the only one that was going to make something potentially happen up there, or the only one of the front three that looked at least relatively sharp. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure though if I bind to I know he made a lot of changes, Jose, before the game and it was a completely different team, but this is a team which has been playing it played against Lask and Shindia. If I've said that right, if I finally got that pronunciation right, I'm just going to be proud and sign off the pod now. But um, I mean, these players have played together, maybe not like at a high intensity, but they should have been a bit more familiar with each other than uh, what's what was shown against Antwerp yesterday. So I was I was particularly disappointed with. Uh, with Delhi, because I've I've still been really hopeful that he can kind of play his way back into the team and just to see him kind of somewhat near his best again. I think for me, for me, what what I will do, like in in terms of them playing together, the the key for me is in the last game, Vinicius had Lucas there, and you could see that they had chemistry. Yeah, yeah. they're obviously compatriots. They've obviously built up a little bit of off off field chemistry and they want to see each other do well. Bell really hasn't played with any of these men for more than what 50 minutes. So that's always going to be a little mm. bit of a a little bit of a, a, a sort of restriction to what we're going to see out of him. Players overlapping and stuff like that on the flanks tends to all be down to timing and reps together. And then realistically playing Delhi, like obviously Delhi was poor. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get away from it. He gave the ball away maybe eleven times or something like that. Um, but when you've got someone like Delhi in the team who's so used to playing with a son or a cane, and then you bring those two guys on and you take him off, yeah. What type of message is that sending? This it's, it's like all right, cool. You used to be with these man, but now you got to sit at the dance table. It's like. Come on, fam. Like he's he's experienced enough within this squad that he deserves to have somebody that he's familiar with on the pitch with him at the same time. He's not he's not one of the new guys. We're not trying to create new partnerships. He is a player that has contributed, deserves a little bit more respect, and deserves the opportunity to play amongst guys who he played with during preseason or played with when we challenged for league titles or whatever it may be like. So I think I've, I personally just think it's a bit of self-sabotage in all honesty, like came so out of the game. I was gonna say, let me, let me jump in there as well. Cause I, I want to touch on that point. Like I think you've, you brought up something quite interesting because even um, with the changes that uh, Mourinho, Mourinho made, like when he brought a Mora and Lamella at the same time, I felt like that didn't necessarily work. You could see, I mean, Mora and Lamella rarely play together. Um, yeah, and, and you could see that they, like, I, I, I didn't think necessarily that we played terrible in the second half. I thought what the problem was, was we looked really disjointed. Like, we'd get the ball into interesting positions and then it would slowly fizzle out. You'd see people make the wrong pass or the wrong run, people getting frustrated at each other. I think Lamella tried to play a one-two with Mora, the ball didn't come back. Or just all kinds of different things. And I guess, I think you could have swapped Ali for probably any of the four that came on at halftime, with the exception of um, Hoybier. 
and possibly you could have had a bit more of a better result, I think. What do you think? Is that is that the point you're trying to get across? Yeah, pretty much. I, mm. there, there was a moment where Bale was making a run on the left and Delhi picks the ball to, the, to his right. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay, how about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95. I could read into that and be like, all right, cool. Bell is this new, glossy, new toy who's really an old toy. Everybody's all high and mighty about it what about me type of thing or you can just put it down to sharpness and either way it's like look at how this kid has been treated over the last however many months now not getting into uh onto prem team sheets or anything like that whether or not it's deserved or not to make a change so abruptly mm-hmm. and to literally it's it's like being on football manager or fifa where every player has their role they go from crucial to surplus to requirements and you're like Fam, have we even really had a conversation about this? That's that's what it looks like for me. And mm-hmm. with Mourinho chirping in the media afterwards, you can see you can see what he's doing, man. And it it doesn't work for every player. We said this last year with Tongi. We said it with Pogba. Like, it doesn't work with certain men. It's not down to it's not down to oh yeah, he's got a boohoo man line. Like he's not focused on football. Like. Fuck all of that. Like, the fact of the matter is, he's a professional footballer who has worked his way up to a position where he should get a little bit more respect than what he's getting. And it's up to the manager to get the best out of what what tools he's got at his disposal. And I don't see him doing enough to do that. I think he's trying too much, if anything, uh, in the wrong way as well. Like, um, it was said before, like, the changes are half-time. I don't think he really needs to make four no, it was no, was it that Olympiakos game where he brought off Eric Dier and subbed on Ericsson? Yeah. and it was like during the first half. So that's that was that would be seen as slightly abrupt, but again necessary, and it doesn't come across too panicky or anything like that. Where four subs to Antwerp at half time, like come on, like you could have sprung on Hoybier for uh, for either Winks or the Celso. Mm-hmm. Or even Delhi at the time, it was probably going to be Delhi, wasn't it? So you could provide a bit more of a platform for us to play with us having that defensive cover because we didn't really look like we had that in the first half. Yeah, like to make four changes and then to come out in the media like he did. As much as I've liked his whole instillment of a new mentality or his kind of, you know, his... um him trying to instill that new mentality with us, like him coming out in the media often and say, oh, I could have subbed off 11. 
And then that that Instagram post as well was just over the top. I mean, what other manager is calling out their team on Instagram <laughs> sat on an empty bus? And he was saying, like, the quote was, oh, I hope everyone on the bus is uh, is unhappy as I am. It was like an empty looking bus. So <laughs> I was just hoping like the, the masses didn't clock on to how much of a meme that could be with Mourinho and his bus. But yeah, like that, that whole... Um, that whole his whole attitude um, from halftime onwards and in the post game interviews left a bit of a bitter taste. Yeah, I I, I think um, the comment I read that I thought was a bit bitter was when he was like, um, "His job from here is easy now" or something along those. Yeah, lines. yeah, that yeah, that was really bitter. I think when he um, comes across, it's like, "Oh, I know who I'm going to be playing now." When you're asking me why I'm not playing these players, so he mm. says it plural, but we probably know who he means mm-hmm. and him just coming out and saying that it kind of comes out and like I don't have a problem with him kind of saying that kind of thing behind closed doors but to say that in front of the media to effectively make it out like he's closing the door on certain players or player it's it's not a good look in my opinion there's always like with Mourinho you know whether you like him or hate him there's always going to be a little bit of that toxic streak that runs through him that like it's almost always itching to get out Um, I do feel like the way he's treating certain players is is somewhat day and night like if you're in his good books you're in his good books and if you're not you really are not and that can change literally from what we can see like um, at the change of a hat but like with regards to the, like, I definitely agree with you with regards to the subs. I didn't think four subs was necessary. I didn't catch the first half, but from what I was reading and from what the commentary was given to me, you know, everyone was quite poor. So the fact that you made four subs with players who aren't very comfortable playing with each other, new players in the team as well, a defensive partnership that was also new, I felt like it was probably a bit much. I think in the end, we got 16 shots, I think three or four on target or something like this. And then ended the game with Lamella, Lucas, Kane, Son, all on the, all on the pitch and still didn't manage to score. I mean, I feel like Mourinho kind of, I don't know, did, did he sabotage himself? He, he may have, but I just feel like we didn't really deserve anything from yesterday either. Um, Strangely, in Europa League, away from home, we've always kind of historically been a bit funny. Um, maybe not so much in the Champions League, but in you in the Europa League, we've just—it's almost a Belgian thing at this point. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a funny thing. You know, there's there's been a number of games that in, my, in my like lifetime that I can think away from home where we just you know haven't. But it's difficult because like we had this discussion earlier like i'm i'm a big fan of ali i've always been a big fan of ali i've always had stocks in him i believe that he probably overperformed in his earlier career as a tottenham player and it always left you think thinking okay can he maintain or continue those sort of um levels of performance um yes he's had injuries and whatnot but i'm really you know like looking at him and trying to just gauge where he is like in his career because he is only quite he is still quite young and probably for the first time in his career he's having to accept that actually he isn't the first name on the sheet um and with regards 
to the inconsistency and actually the unfamiliarity of playing with players who aren't who doesn't who he doesn't play regularly, you can say, yeah, there is a lot to be said that actually it's very difficult for him, you know, players like Son and Kane, who he's always kind of played with. But then I just want to see something different in him because I'm almost looking at him and watching him and seeing like his demeanor, his demeanor comes across as a little bit frustrated, a bit negative. And I feel like he's not in actually, he's actually not now not in the position where he can play himself into form. He actually really has to somewhat come into the team and hit the ground running. So it is kind of frustrating. Like there's a number of players who are kind of probably like that as well. I could probably call Bergeron alongside that, you know, someone like Winks who used to be regularly in the team is now having to accept sort of a squad-like role. And it is difficult because as you come into the team, it's very difficult. You're unfamiliar. Playing at this level is not always easy. And obviously, because you play so infrequently, when you do play, any mistake or any bad performance you do is generally amplified more than what it is. So it is kind of difficult. I don't think Mourinho is playing it very well because we all know pretty much what the team will be on on Sunday. Um, so you do just kind of want to hope that these guys that do play go for it. And that's the one thing that actually upset me more, than, more so than anything yesterday. It was not so much the fact that we played bad because we did play bad, like it's accepted. But it's the fact that the guys who did play, I want to see those guys give a bit more because those are the ones who are, are really trying to push the guys in the first 11 from their births. So I want to see these guys trying to show the manager. Albeit it's Antwerp away on a Thursday, but I still feel like the team that played yesterday had the minerals enough to beat that Antwerp team and we just didn't turn up yesterday. Man, I just think like I just going back onto the whole Mourinho Ali thing. Like I think Mourinho's biggest job and what his focus point has to be like isn't going to be as much our playing style as it is going to be his man management with this kind of top heavy squad and the amount of quality we do have up there. And with these comments in the media now, it's almost shown his hand to the point as if this is now literally do or die. And it's kind of leaning towards Delhi being pushed out a bit, but this is either going to really work or it won't. And I still like, I still think he wants the best in Delhi. Like he wants to get the best out of Delhi. Still, it's just these kind of old school methods of doing it. And you could say it worked with Tangi. I don't know how much of a part that played, as opposed to Daniel Levy having a bit of a word with him. But yeah, it's almost do or die for Delhi now. Otherwise, I reckon if he doesn't pick up a bit of form soon, he'll probably be gone by January. So with with one eye on the Brighton game. Is there anybody here that would start Delhi, maybe with with a more familiar lineup, or do you think it's a bit more one for? I think he's two out of sorts. I think what would be a good option for him is like, say we get into the position we did in the West Ham game, and he was mm. to come on then for the last half an hour, twenty five minutes. I thought he would have been a better option to bring on the bail at that point. To be yeah. honest, I think that would be the perfect scenario for him to just get a little bit of sharpness. Yeah, me, I mean, uh, mate, if if we can bring Joe Rodon on as a sub and he can make the bench, having not been with the team for any time, uh, crocked Lacelso, who's not played any football, 
is making team sheets and getting on the pitch. There's no reason why Delhi shouldn't be able to get a cameo in the Premier League. Dropping him from Prem squads, I think, is is just one of those unnecessary things where it's like, you know the media is going to ask you about it. You know the player's in need of some protection because the fans have been on his back for a while. The media has been on his back. There's been rumours for the longest time and, 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 and sort of projections of what type of man he is and all of that bullshit. Um, all of that stuff has played a part into the peaks and troughs that we've seen in this kid. So now ousting him basically just adds that more pressure to it. Maybe, maybe he, he thinks that's going to turn him into a superstar, but genuinely, I don't feel, I don't think it's the right approach, especially when someone is clearly bereft of confidence. So me personally, I'd like to see him get a, a place on the bench just so it sends the right message to everyone within the squad to say your, your opportunities will be there, but when you get them, you need to take them. Like playing in rotation teams is not that. People need to get their head out of the bum because at the end of the day, like the, only, the, real, the real testament to where you are in the pecking order is whether or not you're on Premier League team sheets. Mm-hmm. Odd Europa League game in Belgium, that's not it. True, um, true. I'd like to eventually see him make his way back on the bench, but it's not going to happen for another another couple of months. I think, I think we're we're far down the rabbit hole with the Mad Hatter. Who would we leave out of the squad if we were to That's try and get him a place on the bench? It is a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one. I mean, he would probably be in place of depending on who would start. I mean, it looks like Bale is probably going to always make the bench. If until he gets probably fully fit, um, with Lucas usually probably starting in his place, leaving really only a place for either Lechelso or Lamella. Um, I, I feel like these are two players that Mourinho likes, um, especially Lamella. So it really is about a semi sort of fit Lechelso or a fully fit but just out of form Delhi. Um, it's very difficult to kind of pick at this point. Um, I feel like Vinicius is always going to make the squad now that we have a second striker. Um, I don't know. That's my take at this point. Sad me, how far Stevie B's fallen down the picking order as well, man. Just from shame. A, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Neither one of them, neither one of them are getting getting on yeah. benches, and you know they're not, they're not worse players than any of these, man. Like, I'm not. I'm not hearing any of that. Like, if. Again, we 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 had uh, Bale, Lamella, who are basically the same person in terms of what they're offering at the minute. Um, Lamella more fouls and more energy, but that that that's about it. Their role is the same. Mm-hmm. The Celso, again, he's not fit. What the fuck is he doing on benches? <laughs> right, that's that's three guys by my account that could be interchangeable with either. Berwan or Delhi, so like our our squad is good. Our squad is good, but only only eleven guys are in form. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. there's always six positions on that bench that are up for grabs, or seven positions, I should say. Yeah. So um, what what do we expect scoreline wise? And then I think we should probably move on to some controversial opinions before we end. <laughs> what, uh, for, is this for Brighton? Yeah, sorry, for Brighton. What, what do we expect? Are we, um, uh, we're home, aren't we, yeah? Brighton. 
Yes, let me double check though. Yeah, oh man. I mean, this will be our fourth game at home. Yeah, at home. We haven't won <clears throat> at home in the league. Um, I feel like Kane and Son are in good enough form. And Dombele is good enough form. Um, Hoiberg is playing well at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be an interesting one because Brighton do play some good stuff. Like Graham Potter's definitely got them playing some good stuff. Um, they seem to be somewhat of a uh, trustworthy team, um, and I do like some of their players. I, I like Mo, I like Mope, um, I like Lamptey. I feel like we are in a, we are in a good vein of form, especially in the Premier League. So I think we should have enough to beat them. But my only issue is that for some reason we didn't manage to finish our dinner in these home games against these teams. Because arguably, bar Everton, I mean, there's no reason why we shouldn't have taken maximum points against these teams at home. Um, So to be where we are, where we've drawn to West Ham, we've we've, uh, drawn to Newcastle, unfortunately lost to Everton. You know, not winning a home game in the Premier League at this point is a bit... I'm I'm baffled at this point um, because these are the kind of the games I thought we would be picking up points. Looking forward past the Ludogorets game next Thursday, you know our schedule really does ramp up in terms of the kind of quality teams and oppositions that we'll be playing, and also the spacings and timings between those games as well. So this is the kind of game that we need to really get our points and do what we need to do, even if it means a similar sort of result whereby we may not play as well but let's give ourselves confidence that we can win games at home in the league. And I think if we're in a decent position, we can be in the top two or three um, at the end of this weekend. So it would be good because our game is late on the Sunday as well. So that would be one of the last games of the weekend. It would be kind of important that having seen all the previous results, we can kind of motivate ourselves to try and get get the points and then look forward to Thursday against the Ludogrets. What do you reckon the score will be? Oh, I'm going the score. I'm going 2-0. Uh, Sun double. Yeah, I mean, it might even be a bit of an obvious take, but I feel like obviously because Brighton are so good at progressing and kind of being a proactive team, I think we'll probably try and invite a bit of pressure on from them and then just do the whole Kane-Sun transition and Dombele Kane-Sun transition. Uh, I'm really licking my lips at the thought of uh, Lamptey and Regulon kind of coming against each other if that happens. I'm not sure if Regulon's going to start having played 90 minutes in midweek, but I hope he does. And um, I think with that, it's it's so annoying that we haven't actually won a home game yet. I keep forgetting that uh, in the league anyway, but I'm going for a 3-0 win against Brighton. I'm with you on that. Um, they showed, especially against Manchester United, that even though they're they're quite dynamic going forward, they leave a lot of gaps. Uh, they are super susceptible to a counter attack. Um, I'm just hoping they hit the post as many times as they did in that game as well. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say two two nil. I'll be a bit more conservative this week because uh, every other result has sort of ended in two goals less than what I expected. Um, so maybe maybe I'll say six. Six nil Spurs, and <laughs> uh, but no, um, 
I think you can, it's a safe bet to expect that Kane or Son will score in the Premier League. So, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully both of them uh, get me to the top of all my FPL leagues. I think from my perspective, it will definitely be a high scoring game. Um, I think, like you said, if Regulon starts, I'm, I'm a bit more confident in Tottenham's win. I think if Davis starts on that left, um, I'm a bit more worried. <laughs> it might become a bit more like a basketball game. Um, uh, I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with maybe a three-one, three-one to Spurs or a three-two. I think we will concede, um, but I think we'll have enough to get it over the line. Excellent, right out. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so I mean. Um, Let's have a quick let's have a quick look at some of the most controversial opinions that we had on the Twitter. Um, so I'll give a little bit of background as while we get them up. I mean, a little bit of background to it while we get them up. But in the middle of the week, we um, sent out a tweet on our social medias asking for some of our followers and just some of the wider Spurs fan base to give us their most controversial opinions on Tottenham Hotspur. And boy, some of you guys are absolutely insane. Savages as well, <laughs> by the way. Savages. There was Savages. one which said that Tangi and Nombale was overrated, by the way. And I will find whoever you are. I will find your postcode. We all will. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> I can't believe, I still can't believe this, right? I keep bringing it up, but there are people out there that think they, that we play better without Harry Kane like that's insane <laughs> to me what are they watching <laughs> wow oh, wow 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 there was uh there was one that I'm trying to look for it that was quite funny where someone basically said we will not stand for this sort of slander that sort of rubbish can basically get out of it what was that one for <laughs> I think that was been a one yeah, I think I, I think, it, yeah, was. I think it was. I yeah. think that was for the, the Tongi on overrated one. And it's like we don't do that around. Here. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite ones uh, was El L. Pe- L. Tree said we are an elaborate social science experiment studying the impact of mutants on behavior. And the documentary was actually peer reviewed research. I think that was great because it's controversial, but it's fucking true, man. Mm. Like this club's just. Club bad stuff to moods, definitely. One of my what do you think of this one? I oh, one go on tops. One one was said, "White Hart Lane over the new stadium." Oh yeah, I think Is that a controversial so. shot. I love only because Lane, of man. how we've um, obviously been patient and not really been signing any players because we wanted to build this whole new project and stadium for it to. Be quite quiet, but um, I've only been to the stadium a couple of times, and yeah, so far I'm leaning towards the old White Hart Lane a bit more. It's a shame because I feel like the new stadium, in terms of timing, and obviously nobody it's could predict annoying. this, but it just came at the, yeah. the absolute wrong time. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, what other opinions were there that were insane? Sherwood I feel like- had a good rain. Sherwood. Oh. <laughs> there were oh, lots of those corny as hell but I still remember his first game was against Pochettino Southampton and I saw the lineup and I thought a 12 year old from FIFA Ultimate Team had picked it I think I, I remember I think it was Bentaleb's first start it was Bentaleb it was a 4-4-2 uh, I think it was I think it was away 
I was at a game at the lane against Southampton and yeah sorry go on I just reckon um, yeah no I was trying to remember the starting lineup as well it was definitely a 4-4-2 and I think it was Ben Taleb and Polinio as the midfield two and um, Adebayor Soldado I can't remember who was up front with Adebayor actually I want to think it was Kane but I don't think he was quite game ready yet and we somehow won that game 3-2 <laughs> and just that that was um, a lot of the media talk when obviously we found out that Pochettino was going to be taking on the job and Sherwood wasn't getting the full-time role. It's like, actually, Sherwood did an okay job, in my opinion. He was corny as hell, I accept that. Like, But everyone's like, oh, but he, he beat Pochettino Southampton with a lineup only kind of a 12-year-old would kind of pick. Actually, I think the lineup <laughs> may have been Ben Taleb and Ryan Mason <laughs> in midfield. So it was staggering. And of course, I was a bit biased as well because I was at that Sunderland game at home where Lee Catamol scored from like 35 yards and I was just sat there in shock. And then we just decimated them. I think it was... Um, probably Ericsson's one of Ericsson's best games that I've seen live because he just ran the show from out wide and of course Harry Kane scored his first ever Premier League goal Adebayor did the salute in the corner I was sitting in did I salute back yeah you're damn right I did (laughs) yeah and I enjoyed it it was one of those kind of things that twined in with our identity with just not really caring about tactics it was just all vibes and trying to score <laughs> as many goals as possible i loved it i, I loved think, that period man i think my my controversial shout has to be well i i had one that i posted i won't redo that uh i think avb should have been given more time i can't Ooh. lie um that avb signing was that era's sort of Mourinho signing for me in terms of I never really thought it could happen mm. thought he was a bit higher than where we were um, and to be perfectly honest I just I, I just think he got quite unlucky with the fact that Daniel Levy has ulti- or had at the time especially had ulterior motives just before he came in he sold Modric yeah. and after his first season he sold Bell so the fact of the matter is, is what he would have went into that job thinking that he was going to have at his disposal, he ended mm. up not having. He got a magnificent seven instead. <laughs> that Jean Moutinho incident as well, I remember being at work trying to follow deadline day. And it was said, I think we it came on the little yellow line that we had to bid accepted for Jean Moutinho for 24 million or something. I went back to work thinking we were going to get the deal done and then looked back on my phone couple of hours later and it, it just completely fell through so yeah who knows what he could have done with um with him there and a bit more back in generally we missed out on um willian around that period as well right oh yeah, william he's right. a snake yeah. i don't like hearing that one, <laughs> i don't i don't blame levy for that one though i, I don't even know what happened there chose a bigger so- team to be honest that's just the annoying fact Richer team, fuck that. They're not. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Richer team. Come on, Owen. Didn't they have Eva working there as well? Oh, come over and have a medical with Eva. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we see you. We see you. 
Uh, I, I just want to throw in, I think, <laughs> the, the most controversial opinion that, that I think is actually serious. But somebody said Ben Davis is our most underrated player. Oh, for goodness <laughs> I can't see it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, oh, some, some of this stuff, you have to wonder when people are like, whether they're trying to troll or they actually do mean some of this stuff, man. Because like, like Ben Davies, he has a place in the squad, man, because again, he's been a servant. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been awful the whole time he's been at Tottenham. I just feel like for him to be underrated, that's basically making our squad or even our team look a certain level and I don't think our, our squad is. If anything, I think he's definitely not the best left back in the in the team. Mm. Um I mean he's done a he's done a job and he's a squad player, but to call him underrated, oh, I don't know, I'm I'm baffed by by like he's kind of he's kind of I'm completely baffed. I mean Yeah, he's not underrated. He might be a little bit underappreciated, but that's that's yeah. as far as I'm willing to go. Because that mistake the oven last time. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's unforgivable, man. <laughs> unforgivable. Like, you know what? That's a that's. I imagine that could be a reason why he might not even play this week. He, he might not even be in the squad. Yeah, exactly. On that note, I think uh, I think it was a good show. Um, ah, there was one topic I wanted to touch on. We should probably touch that next week. But um, oh, in Dumbly kitchen again. <laughs> and Dombele and Dombele and Dembele man I think we need, we need Toby there as well for that one man that's going to be, gonna be I was going to bring that up actually but I thought I'll, I'll hold I'll hold let's hold let's hold let's hold till next week but lads been a good show till next week always always thank wow. you my brothers bless him nice in the bit Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. Podcast Network.